1: Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Fatma Sayed, and this is The Backbench, a podcast about Canadian politics and chaotic bureaucratic messes. We were able to uh, welcome a record number of economic migrants last year to meet the needs of the labor force. I expect we will be able to do that again next year. This includes a significant number of international students who maybe ordinarily would have considered the federal skilled worker programs, but instead had access to the new TR to PR stream. That was Immigration Minister Sean Fraser talking about how increased immigration can help solve Canada's labour shortages and broader economic problems. One policy in particular targets international students, a subsect of Canadian society that we don't talk about enough. Now here's what you need to understand. There's this typical pathway that international students follow if they want to join the Canadian workforce after graduation and become permanent residents. Usually it goes like this. You finish your education and then you're eligible for a Postgraduate Work Permit, or PGWP. Once you've gained some Canadian work experience, you can apply for permanent residency through a few options. There's the Federal Skilled Workers Program or the Canadian Experience Class. And there are some provincial programs as well. But COVID messed that all up. Lockdowns and travel restrictions created a backlog in immigration applications, processing times got delayed, and the government paused applications for immigration under the skilled trade or skilled worker classes. Right now, the government is still processing 1.8 million immigration and citizenship applications. Now, a lot of international student graduates got stuck in this limbo. Their work permits, which are non-renewable, expired. They had two options. They could go back home, or they could deal with a complicated, chaotic, ever-changing, bureaucratic mess full of confusing paperwork. For example, a few weeks ago the government announced that people whose work permits expired are eligible for an 18-month open permit to stay here and work. But here's the thing, that only applies if your permit expired between January 31st and December 31st of this year. Unfortunately, this only helps some international students. It doesn't help Shafali Man. She came to Canada in 2019. Her PGWP, again, that's her work permit, expired. And she's not eligible for the extension. And she wants to stay here and work. So right now she's on a visitor's visa, unable to work, hoping she'll be invited to apply for permanent residency over the summer. It's literally like winning the lottery. And that's messed up for so many reasons, including the fact that the government wants international students like Shafali to help solve so many of our economic problems. Shafali spends most of her day just trying to figure out how to stay in Canada. Here's her story, including all the ways she's had to learn to fight for herself and others like her. Let's get into it. Shafali had been working in India for a few years in event management before she came to study at Humber College in Toronto, looking for new experiences and career opportunities.
0: It was really fun because there were so many things I got to learn. I got to meet a lot of people. We had a lot of networking events where I would go and meet out, you know, people from the industry who have been working. So great experience, like great opportunity, great exposure overall.
1: But her struggle started way before the pandemic when she first began looking for work.
0: I was painted this picture before I came here that it's a cakewalk. It's going to be very easy, like you land. The second day, you're going to get a job and the part-time job would be enough for you to, you know, um, sustain yourself in the country, take care of all of your expenses, live a, you know, a decent lifestyle. Not a great one, but live a decent lifestyle. And it wasn't true. Like, it took me three months to land a basic minimum wage you know part time job and well, what was the job so uh, I started as cashier at mm-hmm. a retail store and I was surprised because again at least there are like the people out here there are like sixteen seventeen year olds landing the similar job and I just couldn't understand why was it so difficult for me to land a job that I feel I could do it. You know, it's entirely trainable. I can speak well. So I was just like, I don't understand. Like, why is it so difficult for you to get a job? Once you have the job, you don't really get enough hours. And even if you get 20 hours, the money, the minimum wage that you're earning is not enough to take care of all of that, you know, to take care of all of your expenses. And especially if you are trying to pay back your student loan, if you're trying to chip in for your fees, your college fees, it's not enough. And until last year, like so my entire 2019 and almost entire 2020, I hardly went out. Because I was so tight on budget, I hardly went out partying or anything i had to restrict myself from that i had to make sure that i'm not making any expenses that are not necessary and limited myself on shopping and this was a total turnaround as compared to my lifestyle back home so i had to literally restrict everything my lifestyle was really changed and i had to be very careful of how i'm spending what i'm doing because i can live a comfortable lifestyle but then i would have to ask my parents to send me more money for that and that's something I wasn't okay with. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, whatever I can manage with myself, I will do that. And then again, when COVID happened, I still had two more months left to complete my college. And um, I was laid off because everything shut down. So again, I was unemployed for the next six months trying to look for a job. And it was a lot of support from my parents that I had to take. And it wasn't great. Because, again, you you think like you come to a new country and you feel that, okay, now once you start working, you would be able to contribute to your family. And I wasn't able to do that at all. So it was really difficult.
1: You said you had this like, you know, picture in your head of what life would be like, I think you described it as a cakewalk to me. And and hearing you right now describe, you know, the struggle to get a job or or even to just have fun as a young person. You can't work and study all the time, right? Yeah. Um, That's so hard to hear. And I wondered, you know, like since you've been here, has anyone sort of helped you? in the community or from a governing level because I know there's so much paperwork involved as an international student have you received any support any guidance any sort of you know living in Canada for dummies kind of um, education
0: no like I really wish I did because I just feel as an international student there are so many things you're not aware of like you don't know how do you approach Or how do you go about getting a job? You don't know what are the policies, like what will happen if I am unemployed? Like, is there any assistance? Is there anything from the government or is there anything that can help me out? So I really feel like at least all the knowledge that I know has only been through other international students who were in the same boat as me. And it's only been through experiences where I've had bad experiences and then I was just like, okay, like now I know. And since then, at least... I've always tried so whoever I know is planning on coming to Canada or if they've just recently arrived I try and make sure that I let them know all of my experiences let them know you know this is what will happen give them the real picture like and you know make them be prepared for it like this is what is going to happen like this is these are the things you have to do these are the things you don't do and similarly like with the whole 20-hour job thing like international students are only allowed to work for a specific amount of time. Like, we can't work longer than 20 hours. And the thing is, the local students are studying, this, they are doing the same course, they're doing the same assignments, they're spending the same amount of time for their coursework, but there's no restriction on them on how, how much they can work. So I just feel, why is it not the same for international students? Like, I know so many of other people who again you know weren't as privileged as me so they had to make sure that whatever loans that they've taken they had to repay it on time and they were taking cash jobs so I know people who would work all night and then they would come to college attend classes do their assignments go for a second job and this was their life and again if they're doing cash jobs I've heard horror stories of how you know they were harassed by the employers they were not paid enough, they were not you know treated nicely and they couldn't go and talk to anybody about it because again they would land in trouble for being like you know we were doing cash jobs so that was a situation where I just feel you know this is not something that we come for in a new country and this is not the type of you know scenarios or experiences we would want to go through especially when you're here all by yourself and, you know, your family's not there, you're making new friends. There's literally no one that you know from back home. So it's scary and it's exhausting.
1: Yeah, it sounds it. Uh, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation specifically is because the federal government lately has been marketing a lot of policies for international students, you know, really betting that that segment of our society will fill in like labor gaps. You've talked a little bit about, you know, how difficult it is just to understand the process to not just come to Canada, but stay in Canada as an international student. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about, like, you know, your experience trying to get a PR or a visa and what you've learned from that.
0: So, again, that is another grueling experience because... I feel that's what the government is marketing it as, right? Like you're an international student and once you come, you study in Canada, we will make sure that you get that Canadian work experience. But again, a thing is, if you do a one-year course over here, you get one year of work permit in the post-graduation work permit. But if you do two years of, like if you do two courses or if you study for two years, you get three years additional. So I was one of the people who just did one year course because... I didn't see the need or the necessity of studying for two years because I have enough experience in my, um, like I have enough education in my uh, background or in my industry and I was into marketing and sales and I've worked as well for two years. So I have... Work experience back from India, I have graduated in, you know, business administration. And then I was just like, event management is something I haven't done. So that would be something that would benefit me. Like, why do I do another marketing course just so that I get three years of work permit and just so that it's a safeguard for me to gain enough Canadian experience? And again, with PR, there are like different streams, right? So there would be a provincial nomination, at least an express entry, Then there would be foreign skilled workers where you have enough foreign experience, work experience. And then there would be Canadian experience class where you have one year of Canadian experience. But again, that would be in particular NOC categories. So not all jobs are eligible for it.
1: You mentioned NOCs. What does that stand for?
0: So they are National Occupational Classification. Basically, different jobs have different NOC codes. It's like a tire system. So the managers would be in the O section, the CEOs, managers, that would be knock O. Then there would be knock A, that would be supervisors or that would be, you know, people in marketing. So again, all the jobs that are available in Canada are classified into different codes. Okay. Basically classification of jobs. So again, the whole point comes is when a particular employer in Canada is ready to give me a job, even if I was a cashier and being a cashier, if Another employer is ready to give me a business development job. So why is the government for PR dividing those job titles? At the end of it, you are getting Canadian experience. At the end of it, all jobs require skills. So again, that whole thing, when you just have one year of work permit, uh, it was like a time bomb. Like I had to plan each and every second of my life after that. And I was just like, I need to get a job that is in this particular NOC. Like it has to be NOC B, NOC A or NOC O. It has to be in that I have to complete one year. And as soon as I complete that one year, you know, I have to get an invitation, not even create my Express Entry profile. So I had to make sure that all of my documentations, all of the things that I require were ready before I complete that one year. And as soon as I complete my one year work experience, in the best case scenario, I would get an invitation and then I could apply for my PR. And that didn't happen. Because of COVID, people had stopped hiring anybody. Like it was so difficult for me to find a job. And in the last one year of my PGWP, I've worked four jobs, out of which three were relevant to my Canadian PR experience. And one of it was a part-time job that I had to do because I was scared like, I, you know, there were contract jobs or people were just laying you off without any reason like that happened with me, I got laid off because of no reason. And I was just so scared. And I was like, I need to sustain I also need to complete that work experience in particular knocks. And from Jan 2021 to March 2021, I was working two jobs. One was a contract job that was as an e commerce coordinator. And that was for my PR. So I was working nine to five. And then after that, I was working at a retail store as a cashier supervisor from 5.30 to 12 in the night. Then I would come back home by one, have dinner, sleep. And for three months, I only got three days off. And I was working throughout almost 60 to 70 hours per week. It was crazy. Like I had become a zombie. I was literally working, sleeping, eating in between. Like that was my life for three months. And I wouldn't suggest it to anybody because that is not a way to live life like that is not a healthy lifestyle and I had to do that because I was scared I was just like what if they lay me off like people were getting laid off right left and center because of COVID and I was just like if that happens I need a backup so at least I have the money to pay my bills and that did happen like my contract got over then again for two months I was just doing that part-time job until I found my Another job that was, you know, again in knock A. Knock-A. So that was crazy. And then again, during the same time, I think last year, there was a public policy announced to extend the post graduation work permit because there were a lot of backlogs and a lot of delays in the express entry files. So unfortunately, I wasn't eligible for it because it was announced in January. And it was for all the people whose permits had expired in the last 12 months. And it was, I think, open until July. So the last date of it, if someone applied on the last date, like you could apply for it if your work permit would be expiring in the next four months. So that covered a period until November 27th, 2021. So... They covered almost the entire 2020. They covered almost the entire 2021 until November 27th. And that was the public policy. So I wasn't eligible because my work permit was expiring in December 2021. So again, I was waiting. I was hoping, okay, maybe by then I will receive an invitation. Maybe something will happen. And literally, after a few months, TR to PR program was
1: announced. What is TR to PR?
0: CR to PR was very similar to public policy. It was like this gateway program that was introduced due to COVID. The entire thing had stopped, right? There weren't enough international students coming into Canada or there weren't enough workers coming into Canada. And a lot of people were losing jobs and they were losing status. So this program was announced to make it easier for people to get their PRs. So, it was literally a one-time thing to convert as many temporary residents into permanent residents. You required your IELTS exam, the English proficiency exam, and you had to either be a student or you had to have a work status. So, and again, it was first come first sub basis. So, it was literally like a race, like everybody was like, you know, trying to get their IELTS done. They were trying to apply for it. And the day the news broke out, I tried to book my IELTS exam And all the IELTS dates were booked. So this was in April. This was April 2020? 2021. 2021, okay. Yeah. And I only got my IELTS uh, date for July 2021. So again, all of those months it was booked. It was like a surge. Like everything, everyone's going crazy. Like no idea what's happening so it sounds like you missed
1: the timing then for the TR to PR. And since then, you said your postgraduate work permit has also expired. Yes. And you're not eligible for an extension. Yes. So so what are your options right now? Well, how are you navigating this paperwork uh, chaos?
0: It's been so blurry for me. Like literally every day I wake up with an uncertainty of I'm just like, what am I doing here? I have no idea. Like, I know if I had the opportunity of working, it wouldn't be that difficult for me to get a job because I am eligible enough. Like, I do get job offers. Like, that's what I was doing. Like, as soon as I stopped working, I applied for a visitor's visa just so that I'm not out of status. And then I applied for restoration of my work permit. After that, I was, you know, applying for jobs and I was getting callbacks. I was getting interview calls and they loved my resume. The interview was going well. And as soon as I told them about my situation, that if you want to, you know, hire me, you would have to, you know, sponsor my work visa. And as soon as I say that, the employers, they just ghost me. They're just like, you know, sorry, we can't help you with it. Someone nice to be like, let us look into it and see if we can try and support you with that. But again, Because even for an employer to support a foreign worker is so difficult and so complicated and the paperwork is so much, employers don't want to do it. And they would just be like, you know, we'd rather hire someone who has a work permit, who is a PR or who is a citizen. And I am just stuck in this limbo. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Because since January, I have been reaching out to ministers, to prime minister, to immigration minister, Sean Fraser, to, you know, my local MP. I've been tweeting a lot on a daily basis. I have been sending emails. I've been calling. I've been reaching out to other people who are in a similar situation that's all that I've been doing every day. Like every day that I wake up, I have the schedule and I was like, okay, two hours I'm going to call, two hours I'm going to email, two hours I'll apply for jobs and see if I can find someone who would be an exception, you know, to help me and support me with that. And it's it's crazy because, you know, like most of the days I'd still be okay with it and I'd still be strong. But there are days where I don't want to do anything. Like I don't even want to get out of my bed because I'm just like, you know, I'm not doing anything it's just heartbreaking because I know I can work. I know I want to make a career over here. And I just feel I'm wasting that time. Like I lost four months of my life that I I could have worked and I could have, you know, maybe been promoted. I could have done work that I really enjoyed. I could have grown. I could have met so many more people. I could have, you know, had more experiences and I'm just losing out. It's not my fault. Like, if it was my fault, I would have been okay with it. But again, it's not something in my control. It's not something that I have done. And again, on 22nd of April, there was an announcement made. And that's how I found out about Migrant Students United. Someone on Twitter tagged me in one of their protests that they were going to have. And I went for it. And I was just like, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'd rather go for the protest and meet people who are in a similar situation as me. And that's how I found out that I am not alone. There are so many, like thousands of more people in the same situation. And literally one day before one of the protests, um, uh, immigration minister made an announcement that they will be extending the PGWP. But it would only be applicable for people whose work permit expired between 31st Jan 2022 until 31st December 2022. So now there are two public policies, like one that was launched last year that covered entire of 2020, 2021 until November. And now there is another public policy that covers everybody from Jan 31st until the end of this year. So again, that's like leaving out the people from 27th November, 2021 to 31st Jan, 2022. So the people of those two almost two months November, December, January, we didn't even get a chance to extend our work permit. And I don't understand, like, you know, I keep talking to so many people in the same situation and I'm just like, I am 25 right now. I need to be living like the best years of my life. I want to work, I want to travel, I want to meet new people, I want to have fun. And right now I've been sitting here, you know, worrying every day about immigration. Why do I have to struggle so much To get a job when I am eligible, why do I have to struggle so much to live in a country where I feel I can be a potentially good asset to the country? You know, all I want to do is work, uh, you know, contribute to the economy, grow. Like, that's all I want. And why is it so difficult for me to get that? And it's not just me. Like, there are so many other people who are left out from this.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's also even more ironic when you think about how the federal government is actively seeking international students exactly. to to help with the economy. And then when you compare that to the bureaucracy that you've described for us today, it's it's very it doesn't make sense. Shafali, I'm curious, like, do you regret coming to Canada after everything you've been through?
0: I mean, there are days where I do, you know, doubt my decision. And there are days where I just think maybe I could have done something differently. But no, like, I just feel like I I have no idea, like, what's going to happen in the future. Like, I have no idea if they will extend the policy for us or how my PR application will go. But... um. I don't know. I'm trying to convince myself that I don't regret it because I I've definitely had like good experiences as well that have definitely like been very important in my life. So yeah, like I think maybe not, but I hope, I hope I don't reach a day where I, you know, feel I do regret making this decision.
1: Mm -hmm. My final question for you, you know, you've described like you know, your day-to-day just, you know, worrying and trying to figure this out so that you can think about life and, you know, your career and and, and so forth. Do you ever think about going home and just waiting out the process and, and being with family and working there?
0: So that was something that I was thinking of. But again, another thing is, if I do get my PR invitation, which I feel I should, because I have a good score, The thing is, again, the processing time of you applying within the country or if you're applying from outside, it varies. So if I apply for my PR application within Canada, it will be processed within seven months. But if I go back home, it would take anywhere between two to three years. And that's, again, a lot of time I am losing out that I could rather have... You know international experience like i would rather have canadian if i want to come back to canada i would rather have canadian work experience for those two three years rather than you know going back home and working on something else or doing something i didn't want to do in the first place i haven't met my family since i've come here so in september it'll be three years since i haven't met my family and I feel, again, like I wanted to go back in my first year, but then COVID happened. And then after that, I started working and I had one year to complete my work experience. So I couldn't go back. And when I finally thought that now maybe I will get an invitation and I'll get my PR. And the first thing I want to do is go back home, visit my family. And it's just not happening. And yeah, like, so there are so many things. I just, I feel stuck, you know, I'm just like, because... Even if one decision can severely impact my life and this is my life, you know, it's not a game. Like, it's not something that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. Like, it's not. Like, you have to think of everything, especially, like, for me, when I I have made mistakes and I have been through, like, all of these scenarios, I'm so careful now. I'm just like, you know, I have to think a hundred times before I take any decision and I have to be careful. So, yeah, like, it's been crazy.
1: You know, I know that international students can't vote, so I wonder what you want Canadians to understand about the international student struggle and every time they hear a politician talk about policies for international students or talk about how, you know, immigrants and international students will help fill labor gaps and support us, what do you want Canadians to understand so when they're part of the political discourse, maybe they can help be the voice for, for, for you guys?
0: So one thing I've definitely noticed is a lot of my Canadian friends or the colleagues that I've had, they are not well aware of the entire immigration process. So when I talk to them about, you know, my PR situation or when I talk to them about, you know, my permits, my work permit and all of that stuff, they are not very aware of it. They don't know how tedious the process is. I feel it's it's very irrelevant in a lot of ways. Like, again, when you, when you think about, you know, the 20-hour work limit, when you think about, you know, discriminating the different knocks in the job, like what type of job will get you a PR. Or, again, with, you know, how you have a time limit of when you come to Canada, you have a time limit. If you're able to make it within that time, you're good. If you're not, you go back and all the money that you've invested would you know, go in vain. So I just feel um, for all the Canadians, and especially the employers, right, like, because at the end of the day, whether we get a work permit, or whether we become PRs, it would be the Canadian employers who would be hiring us. So definitely, like, if they could actually see, like, how difficult the entire process is, and maybe it can become more easier, maybe, like, right now, because, I lost my status, I don't have a health card. So again, that's another thing I have to worry about. And I just have to be like, you know, I I hope I don't fall sick. I hope I don't hurt myself. Because if I have to go to the hospital, that's something I can't afford. Like, I'm not insured. So there are so many things and there are so many, like, so much discrimination with international students or with migrants in general. So I definitely feel like that it would be great if... Canadians are at least aware of it if the citizens are aware of it and if they can you know also be a little proactive on how can they and the government support us a little bit better and how what changes can be made to at least make our experience a little more easier than what it is right now.
1: Shafali, thank you for sharing your experience with us and walking us through this very very complicated process I, know. <laughs> yeah. I swear I feel like you know immigration policy better than our immigration minister <laughs> I'm not even just, that's not a diss on him that's a you're incredible
0: <laughs> if you would have asked me these questions two years ago I would have just been like what like I have no idea like what it is like but I feel like as an international student you know you have to keep up with the new policies the new changes that are happening otherwise like you miss out on a lot of opportunities and then you know you doubt yourself
1: That's the Backbench. We'll be back next week with our politics panel. I want to thank B. Pippin Kumar of the Canadian Federation of Students for helping us understand this very complicated issue, and Saram Rowe from Migrant Workers Alliance for Change for putting us in touch with Shafali. There's a great article in the Toronto Star by Nicholas Kung about this issue. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for those of you who want to learn more. If you like the show, please consider supporting us. Uh, we love to hear from you. Send us your questions, your concerns, your rants. You can email us, backbench at We're also on Twitter, BackbenchCast. I'm Fatma Saeed, and you can find me on Twitter at Fatma B. Sayyid. You can find my work on The Narwhal. This episode was produced by Kevin Sexton with additional production by Tristan Capacione. Our managing editor is Kieran Outhorn. The music is by Nathan Burley. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.